Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Uh, so we're in for a treat today. Um, Stephen and Veronica Jenks are here with us. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. Long-time friends of New Hope. They're both directors of operations for Eagles Wings Ministry, which is an international ministry. Has ministered a lot out of here, out of Rochester, New York. Um, but I always have to share a story or two about Stephen. Um, you know, some of you don't know who are newer, but Steve actually grew up here in this church. Um, him and I grew up playing on worship teams together, playing piano, um, like cut our teeth on worship team together. So it was, uh, we have a lot of deep roots, and uh, I don't see Tim here, but Tim and Stephen and myself uh, pretty much left a lot of rubber driving around on Chile, North Chile, in their old celebrity wagon um, that we just would bomb around in in our teenagers, right, Beth? And, um, but a couple of stories. I shared this last time, but I just think it just really highlights you know, just some of the connections that we've had over the years. Uh, when we were, uh, there was a period of time where I had a crush on Joy, who's now my wife, and I worked for several years to earn her affection, you know. It just took her a little longer to, to realize it, you know. Uh, and uh, I remember very much in my 10th, 11th grade years, um, we would be, we had this thing back in those days called, you know, shotgun, you know, I think you still do it. I got the, you know, front seat, and, you know, whoever was in that way just got mowed over. If, if you called it and they didn't, it was just like territory to just run them over. You had the passenger side seat, you know. So I, I was pretty, I'm a pretty competitive person, so if I called it, like, get out of my way, I have that passenger seat. I called shotgun, I'm sitting there, and you're going to get moved out of the way. So I was so competitive that Steve, and a little bit older than me, uh, I just throw that in there. Um, <laughs> that was for that was for free, um, just a little bit. He had the foresight to say, "No, I think you might want to sit in the back seat with Joy, who was riding with us at the time." I didn't even realize it. I'm like, "No, I called shotgun. I am the winner. I am in the passenger seat." He's like, "No, Steve." trust me on this. I'm like, and it took me like a while to realize that, oh, okay, yeah, I can sit in the back seat with the one I have a major crush on, you know? So that's part of some of our relationships. Uh, uh, recently, too, we were watching movie uh, Jurassic Park, the new movie Joy was watching on the plane. It made me think of a story that we had. Now, remember when Jurassic Park came out in like the early 90s? It was like a monster hit. I mean, we went with a huge group of us to the theaters. We had never seen anything like that big on screen before. And I remember this part, and I was recently watching it with my kids, so I had to actually share that. I said, this is the part where this story happens. We were in the theaters watching it, and you remember that scene where they're running around in the kitchen, and the raptors are on the loose, and, you know, they're hiding, you know, trying not to get, uh, you know, caught. And there's this one scene where they're climbing up on a ladder up into the roof, and they get into the ceiling of the kitchen, and of course, like Steven Spielberg had to do, it was like, you know, they're climbing up the ladder, and the last person, the ladder falls out, they grab her, they pull her up through the season, and as they do it, the raptor jumps up into the raptors and just misses them by like an inch. But that was a point where Steve was so intense into this movie that he grabbed his legs up and jumped up on his chair in the movie theater, and I was standing right next to him, like, it was amazing, I've never seen that before, like, he was so in this movie that... The dinosaur came up, grabbed it. He jumped up on his chair. Oh, my gosh. He grabbed both of his legs. And I still remember this part. So my little, my kids were like, Dad, is this the part where they happened where your friend Stephen jumped up? Into the... So uh, on that note, let's call up Stephen and just welcome <laughs> and Veronica. 
That was a great one, man. That was great. Awesome. I thank the Lord I've been delivered from a spirit of fear. <laughs> he only does it in really, really scary parts now. <laughs> right. I just don't watch scary movies. It's exactly. very easy. <laughs> uh, well, it's so good to be with uh, family this morning. And um, I just wanted to say a big thank you um, to New Hope Community Church and the leadership here. Um, for partnering with uh, Stephen and myself as we serve at Eagle's Wings. And just to give a quick testimony of some of the things that God's been doing, for some of you who are newer and don't, uh, don't know us as well, but um, so as uh, Steve mentioned, we're uh, part of the um, leadership for Eagle's Wings, and so we get uh, an opportunity to really um, disciple, to speak into young persons' lives who are uh, love the Lord and are just understanding more who they are in Christ. And... Um, we do a, uh, all sorts of different courses with the young people. And there's one young girl that I'm working with right now. Um, she's 19 years old and grew up in the church. Um, pretty much she had an awesome call in her life, really, to work in youth ministry. Um, but was just still dealing with some things, you know, just of knowing who she is and things that could hinder her. Kind of like Stephen, jump up on a thing if she was a little scared. <laughs> um, but, um, but over the nine months, she just completed her nine-month internship program. And to see the growth that's happening in this young person, and she really is, she has a call in her life to, to this generation, to go to the nations, to speak of the message of, of God's love. And um, over these nine months, one of the things that she's been dealing with is some fear issues. And I share this story because, you know, all of us can have some sort of level of fears. I think Steve <laughs> went into it directly, you know, we, we can have some level of fear and when we're sometimes so used to those things where you don't realize how much they can impact our life, whether it's fear of man, fear of, okay, can I, will I succeed at this? And over the nine months, the Lord's kind of been peeling back the layers of the onion, you know, and kind of just dealing with this, whatever this, what we would call like an ungodly belief. And um, after these nine months, um, I was able to see her really face this, allow God to speak his truth to those areas. And she now is, uh, she now shares, she shared a, a, a message at our church to the youth, which was amazing to see. And, um, and also has um, been able to just confidently know who she is in God and share that message confidently. So just imagine the message of the gospel being shared from a place of confidence, a place of knowing it's true, it's real. Like it just, it changes the, the, the message that's being delivered. So we just want to thank you. Just it's little testimonies like that, that you guys are, as you partner with us, um, that those lives are being changed. And um, I'm really excited. A lot of you guys have partnered with some of our missions that we've done. You know, God's really put it, and one of the things in my heart is this issue of human trafficking. And um, I'm so excited because we've, you've supported us as we've gone, I've gone to Thailand. We've been in Amsterdam together. And, um, and we've really, since we've been home here in the States, you know, just really looking for places. God, where do you want us to bring this message of freedom? And I'm excited to announce, so if you guys will be around, we're in Buffalo, so it's like 45 minutes, you know. Um, but February 25th through the 27th, we're going to have a Freedom Weekend. And the, the theme throughout the weekend is understanding, you know, human trafficking is a tangible way for people to understand what it means to be trapped and the freedom that God can bring to free us from those chains and bondage. Um, the thing that I've been understanding is that we all need to be rescued. All of us have some level mm-hmm. of bondage, Good. whether it's fear, um, whether it's something that, you know, that's happened, you know. Um, we all have a level of freedom. Jesus came to bring free freedom, right? 
And, um, and so we're really excited. It's going to be a weekend really focusing and raising awareness, but understanding that whether God's called you to be a freedom fighter, God has brought, you know, came, Jesus came so that you could walk in freedom. And we need to walk in freedom if we're going to bring that message of freedom. So I'd love for any of you guys to join us on February 25th um, through the 27th. Um, there's going to be seminars and some activation impartation. And that's really a, a fruit um, that weekend is a fruit, so I'll be heading that up. It's a fruit of your prayers, because I know so many of you have prayed for us. So many of you have just encouraged us and been a part of what God's doing, and we're excited to see this um, come to pass, so we hope you can join us for that. But just want to say a big thank you. Stephen and I, as we were worshiping there this morning, um, just, you know, he's worthy of it all, everything, every part, and we know that we walk, you know, sometimes a very challenging place in the places that God's called us to, and just simply being in full-time ministry, simply being one who decided to share the message of freedom, you, you get opposed, you get challenged, and as I was sitting there in worship, you know, just feeling the sense of not only just entering into his presence, but knowing that so many of you here cover us in prayer, mm-hmm. and um, cover us, and really enable and empower us to do what God has called us to do, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for um, seeing God um, work in the midst of us and, uh, and just blessing and releasing that in us. We just appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, babe. Amen. I want to uh, begin uh, by sharing a song with you, and the reason I'm sharing this song, um, it's a song from my new CD called Future Worship, which is a, a testimony in and of itself. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's a song that was birthed here. It's a song that was birthed in the seed of truth that God gave here. So it's called Mystery and Majesty. Just invite you to receive from the Lord as I minister this song. Hidden in eternity. 
That song was birthed out of the message of Christ in me that Dad and many others here shared. And it is the, the seed that was sown into my heart. And I want to thank you also for that. I want to thank you on behalf of our family. As many of you were here on Friday, this was a very interesting week for us. When Steve and I talked about coming here six to eight weeks ago, I never knew what was going to be transpiring in my family at the time. For those of you who don't know, my grandmother passed away on Tuesday, and uh, grandmother who'd lived next door to us, just down the street, grandma who I'd grown up with, my mom's mom, Doris Musinski, who came to this church for many, many years, and uh, the outpouring of love and kindness, uh, the beautiful reception, the flowers we've gotten, the food we've gotten, thank you guys so much. It really means a lot to our whole family that you would uh, express such uh, camaraderie and comfort in this time. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. I want to share this morning uh, a message that's been burning in my heart for you for about the last week and a half. You know, whenever you have a chance to share, you're always saying, God, what do you want to say to your people? I don't, I don't often share the same thing twice. Occasionally I do, but most of the time I'm, I'm asking the Lord for what is the now word? What do you want to say to your people? How do you want to express your heart to them? And as I was praying for you, and as I was praying for this time, and not even understanding, like I said, what this week was going to be like, the Lord gave me a very clear word. And it's a word that is so familiar to us, it is kind of almost disappears. 
because it's a word that we expect this time of year. I want to talk to you today about the power of thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving is a lot more than turkey, football, Black Friday shopping, relatives you like and don't like, and turkey sandwiches after turkey. I want to present to you this morning some thoughts that I believe can help re, um, reawaken us to the power of thanksgiving. Father, I thank you for your word that's alive. It's living in this place today. God, I thank you for the privilege of being able to share it. Lord, let your word come with clarity, with power to change us to that which you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Just before I launch, I did want to say one other thing, and that is I really want to honor the leadership of this house. You know, it's sometimes when you're friends with people, it's one thing, but I want to honor Steve and Joy for their leadership in this place. And I don't only honor you as friends, I honor you as leaders in the body of Christ. And I thank God for you. Let's just thank the Lord for these two. And this whole leadership team at New Hope. It's awesome to see God bringing in uh, and bringing through those that have grown up here into places of leadership. And uh, thank you for receiving their leadership and what God is doing in them. We get the New Hope News, which if Erin is here, she's doing an awesome job with that. I love that email. That is awesome because I get to stay in tune with whatever's going on here. I know there was members, there was people being honored, the goldmine kids are doing creative stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. I get to be here even though I'm not here. But it's exciting for us at a distance to see and hear what the Lord is doing in your midst. So we want to look at Thanksgiving this morning, and I want to give you a very simple definition for Thanksgiving, but I believe it's a definition that is powerful, and we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. Here's the definition I found for Thanksgiving. The act of publicly celebrating divine goodness and mercy. The act of publicly celebrating divine goodness and mercy. Now, I think there's some important words in here. The first one is the word act. Thanksgiving is something you do. It's not something you think. You can't think Thanksgiving. It's great to have a thoughtful, a thankful thought, but Thanksgiving by its definition is something you do. It's something you're involved with. I love the other word here, celebration. It's a celebration of, of the divine goodness and mercy of God. I want to look for a moment. I want to take us up about oh, another dimension to Revelation chapter 7. And I want us to look at God's perspective on Thanksgiving because I believe Thanksgiving is a kingdom dynamic that if we lay hold of it, will literally transform not only the way we live, but the way we operate in the world. So Revelation chapter 7 And verse 9, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no tongue could number, or no one could number, of all nations, tribes, and peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. So here's, here's this heavenly scene we're in. And they were crying with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's what we were singing about this morning. You're worthy of it all. We were joining with nations, declaring this reality. 
And then it says this, And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. And this is what they said, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a heavenly concept. It wasn't created by Hallmark. It wasn't created by turkey producers. It wasn't even created by stovetop. Thanksgiving is a heavenly kingdom dynamic. Let's look at heaven here. Look at, I don't see a single yawn or bored look in the bunch. You know, they're not, they're not just sitting around going, oh yeah, Thanksgiving. They're waving. Look at the verbs. They're standing. They're crying. They're falling. They're worshiping. This description of heaven makes Bill's stadium look boring on a Sunday afternoon. There's a celebration that's taking place here. And part of that celebration is all about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is powerful. And I believe in the moment that we're in, in the, in the moment in time that we're in, that thanksgiving is a key that God wants to give us. How do we enter into a dialogue with a world where 129 people were just murdered in the capital city of France? How do we engage with a world where the equities of socioeconomic and demographic realities are so far askew? How do, we, how do we interact with a world where human trafficking and poverty and all of these issues face us in such profound ways? I want to offer to you that thanksgiving is a heavenly secret. There's something that God wants to reveal to us. Thanksgiving is not an obligation. It's not like, okay, yeah, here I come. I'm going to give thanks. Thanksgiving is a privilege. Thanksgiving is a privilege. And I want to talk about four aspects to that privilege. But before you do that, turn to your neighbor and say, it's Thanksgiving. Four things that I believe Thanksgiving does for us or does in itself that are important for us to lay hold of. The first thing I want to talk about is that Thanksgiving is about alignment. Now, you've probably all driven a car where you let go of the wheel and it starts to go like this, right? And what do you do? You have to take it in for an alignment because the direction in which it's going is not going to take you to your destination unless your destination is the emergency room. Thanksgiving is about alignment, and I believe Thanksgiving is something that God wants us to be aligned with heaven in. We're aligned with two things. The first thing we're aligned with is heaven's declaration. Blessing and honor, glory and wisdom, thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I want to be saying what heaven's saying. I don't want to be saying what earth is saying. I want to be saying what heaven is saying. And thanksgiving brings us into a place where we're no longer interacting on a soulish, simple level, but we're coming into a place of giving glory to God the way heaven is giving glory to God. The second way we're aligned is to heaven's resource. If you look at scripture in the gospels, and I'll take one example, Matthew 15, 36, he took the seven loaves and the fishes and he gave thanks and broke them, and gave them to his disciples, and they multiplied. Thanksgiving is consistently used throughout Jesus' ministry, Paul's ministry, to release miracles. 
It was the thing that preceded the miracle. Father, I thank you. You've not revealed this to children, but you've revealed it to these. Over and over again, Jesus had a life of thanksgiving. And in the place of miracles was thanksgiving. Before the miracle ever was, I would offer to you, before the miracle comes, thanks comes. We thank for what is yet to manifest, and then we wait for it to manifest. We look for the miracle to come. It's the, I like to say it this way, it's the celebration before the manifestation. See, if you, you live in, in time and space world here, we always wait to celebrate afterwards. You know, for the bills, we've been waiting to celebrate for the manifestation for a long time. But in the kingdom, it's reversed. We celebrate before the manifestation because we have an eternal hope. We have an eternal reality. And whether or not it's here and now, we know it exists. And so we celebrate from that place. Second thing, thanksgiving is access. Psalm 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, you know, I've read that scripture many times. We've sung songs about that here when the stage was over there. And I was about that high. But I just saw this in a new way. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. What do gates represent in scripture? Gates always represent authority. They represent the place of influence. It's not simply pass through the doorway, it's enter into his gates. In other words, thanksgiving gives us access into authority we previously did not have. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Think about that from a Middle East perspective. Thanksgiving and entering into gates and courts was not something you did lightly. You went low. Entering to the king's court, this was the place where, listen, you could make it or die. You say one wrong thing, you look one wrong way, you're done. There was a level of sobriety in that moment when you entered the gate. And I, I really believe that thanksgiving is a key to access authority. It's when we thank, not that he's holding it back from us, but it's like this. Let me give you an example. If I have a $20 bill, which I happen to have here, and I say, Steve, I'm going to give you this. Now, Steve's got his hand out, which is not surprising. This is how it went all the time when we were growing up. But I put the bill into his hand. What's the next thing that should happen? He gave it to his wife. That is the next thing that does happen. Great. Bunch of comedians. Um, no, how, how do we know that we've had an exchange? How do I know that as the receiver... My gift has been received. He says, thank you. Otherwise, Steve just stole from me. <laughs> Which, in fact, he did. <clears throat> One of the most amazing, wise, and ravishingly beautiful women I've ever met said the following quote. When we give thanks, we acknowledge what we have already been given and receive what we are in need of. And yes, that's my wife. God has given us gifts, 
We sang about it this morning. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's a reality that we don't need to go out and get gifts. We're not going, oh God, come on, please, I need some stuff. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. He's given gifts. In fact, in Ephesians 4, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So part of freedom is getting gifts. That's so cool. But I believe that thanksgiving unlocks the ability to receive that which we've been given. You don't know what you have until you're thankful for it. And here's the deal. We often don't understand this kingdom principle because we're so thankful when we're blessed and, oh God, thank you so much for the blessing. Thank you for your joy today. Oh, this is awesome. But we don't understand that it also works when there is no joy. God, I thank you today that I don't feel it, but I know you're, you're there. There's joy today. I want to offer to you a little secret that I've learned through my wife. Many secrets I've learned through my wife. I'm only sharing one right now. Um, when you don't have something, thank him for it. When you're depressed, thank him that he is your joy. When you're fearful, thank him that he is your peace. And this is not some kind of goofy, you know, psychobabble thing, and oh, I'm just going to think myself better. No, you literally access kingdom reality. When you say to yourself, I don't, my soul doesn't feel it, but Lord, I thank you today. Why do you think David said, bless the Lord, O my soul? He understood the secret. The secret is you thank for what you don't have, and then you have it. There's a reality of access that Thanksgiving brings. Number three, armament. We are at war. We are at war against an enemy who is set on our destruction. And his strategies are few. They're really old. But incredibly, they're highly effective. After millennia and billions of people on the earth, we still fall for them every time. Discouragement, despair, discontentment, depression, desperation. All of these things come at us to seek to knock us from that which God has called us to. I want to offer to you that thanksgiving is a powerful weapon to defeat these heart-stealing devices of the enemy. Thanksgiving takes the battle to another level. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There are not many testimonies that go like this. Well, God didn't really give me anything and I really missed out. And uh, no, what's the definition of testimony? You're thankful for divine goodness and mercy. And this is the strategy that defeats the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. We combine our faith with the reality of what Jesus did and we gain victory. Let me give you an example. You're going through your day, minding your own business, and then wham, these terrorists hit you. They make themselves sound just like your thoughts. Something like, man, I just don't have enough of X. Boy, I really wish I had Y. Boy, I don't, I don't have what I need today. Those are the thoughts that begin to fill your mind. And you have a choice in that moment. 
you could either say, I surrender to the terrorists, or you can choose to say, that's not reality. That's a smokescreen. Let me tell you what my reality is. Lord, I thank you today that I have everything I need according to your riches and glory. Lord, I thank you today that though this thought is in my brain, God, I believe your word that says, I am more than a conqueror. That my God shall supply all my needs. That exceedingly abundantly beyond all I can ask or think. This is not happy, clappy faith talk, people. This is the weapons of our warfare. And when we do that, we disrupt and dismantle the plan of the enemy because his plan is to start you off that way and then take you way off course by the end of the day. Because he's really not just interested in you. He's interested in your family. He's interested in your coworkers. He's wanting to make sure that the glory of the Lord isn't displayed in your life today. Because that is his assignment. And so these little things that we just, oh yeah, I'm having a bad day. Oh man, it's a rough day, boy. And that doesn't mean we live in denial, like, hey brother, hallelujah, I'm all good. No, but there's a reality to which we come into a balance and say, yes, I'm having a tough day, but this is the reality of who God is. And this is why I'm thankful to you today, God. Armament for us. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ to you. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, your will be done. You want to know his will? For you to be thankful. He wants to cultivate a a, a heart of gratitude in you because he knows that when you're thankful, you're aligned to receive his will, to bring his will to bear on the earth. The enemy doesn't have to kill you. He just has to get you off course. He just has to get you distracted, discouraged, discontent, in despair. And then the will of God is not fully being expressed in your life. But thanksgiving. I love what Paul says. Thanks be to God who leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God. The armament, the weapon of our warfare of thanksgiving is so powerful. The fourth attribute of thanksgiving adoration. Psalm 107, verse 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Thanksgiving is such a gift to us because it is a way in which we can communicate hearts of worship to the Lord. You know what's the greatest thing about being a human being? The greatest thing is that we get to be with God in his presence, worshiping, loving him, adoring him. That's the highest expression of human potential. It's in that place where we are with him in worship, in the place of his presence. That is glorious. And thanksgiving is a way to do that. Ezra 3 11, they're talking about establishing the temple. It says, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house was laid. If the foundation of the temple was laid with thanksgiving, how much more should the foundation of this temple be thanksgiving? I heard somebody say something once, I liked it, so I used it. Later on, you can correct me if it's scripturally unsound. But they gave this great concept. They said, worship is two wings. One wing is praise, and the other is thanksgiving. 
Praise talks about who God is. Exalting Him, authority, beauty, all that stuff. Thanksgiving, what He has done. And when you're missing one wing, you go like this, around in a circle. But when you have both, then you can rise and worship. We get kind of confused sometimes in Western culture because sometimes we get stuck on one or the other. We're always focused about what he's done. And, you know, that's awesome. That's great. I love seeing worship songs like the hoedown from Hogan's this, this uh, morning. I could sing unending songs of your great love. But I also love when we just say you're worthy of it all. And when we bring those two together, there's a heavenly reality, a fullness that I believe comes in worship, where we're praising him for who we are, who he is, and what he has done for us. You can see it modeled in Revelation over and over and over again. You're worthy, Lord, for you've taken this, you've done this, you've bought us, all these things that go back and forth. Thanksgiving is an expression of adoration to the Lord. It's a kingdom dynamic that allows us to lay hold of that which God has for us in this moment in time. But there, there's three realities I want to talk about as we look to come into this place of thanksgiving, as we look to come into this place of this kingdom dynamic. And I want you to turn to Ephesians, if you would, and we're going to talk about this for a few moments. Ephesians chapter, oops, I just had it there. There it is. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Because I, I want to see us walk away with a, uh, the ability to apply this. And there's three things I believe God is releasing right now so that we can enter into the fullness of thanksgiving. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, there's thanksgiving, right? Because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in tras- trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. So I want to to talk a little bit about this because I believe in this scripture are three things that if we can lay hold of them, and as the Lord moves on you, maybe there'll be one that God will begin to speak to you about, but they are keys for us to enter in to this kingdom dynamic of thanksgiving. First is the reality that there's a new life. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. I think sometimes we don't have thanksgiving because we aren't living from the new life. We're not, some of you might not have new life this morning. Some of you might have come as visitors today and say, I don't know what all these people are shouting and dancing and singing about. There's a, there's a new life that's offered to us. Some of us, it's not so much a new life in Christ, in salvation. Some of it's, it's a dead parts in our heart. There are parts in our heart that have been shut down. Our thanker isn't working right because we're perceiving life through the eyes of trauma, through the eyes of pain, 
through the eyes of a perspective that has been shaped by the situations and circumstances around us. I believe the Holy Spirit is here this morning to bring new life, to breathe new life. In Ezekiel, it says, I'm going to take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. For some of you, this time of year might be a time where your heart feels a little hard. Maybe it's because you're going to see so-and-so at the Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe it's because this time of year had trauma associated with it growing up. There's places in our hearts where God is awakening us to life. And the stony places he's wanting to bring new life into. So he's inviting us to new life. The second thing says this, he's made us alive together with Christ. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Now, I have a different view up here than I do down here. Because when I'm raised up, I see from a different perspective. Some of us, it's not so much our heart as it is our vision. And our vision is not so much a vision of faith as it is a vision of fear. We hear what's going on in the news. We see how our country is headed. We, all of these things begin to shape us. Can I tell you something? Heaven is a place of glorious, brilliant, limitless hope. God's not wringing his hand saying, oh, what's going to happen to 2016 elections? Oh my goodness. What are we going to do about ISIS and Syria? He is looking with hope because he knows the plans beyond what we can see that are going to bring about the glory of his name in the earth. And I'm of the conviction that God is touching eyes again on the Damascus road. I'm of the conviction that there are those that have yet to come into the kingdom that are apostles of Satan that are going to be turned into great leaders in the body of Christ in the days to come. But if we don't watch it, we are being fed a diet of fear. And you become what you eat. So some of us need new vision. Some of us need to see with new eyes. How do we do that? We allow Christ to bring us his perspective. We understand we're raised up with Christ. Not only is Christ in us, but we get to be in him. And where he is, is limitless hope. Is powerful faith. So new vision is a key for some of us. And then the third one is this. In that place of new vision, it also brings us into new position. Some of you today are viewing yourselves not the way Christ views you. Some of you are seeing yourselves today down and out. Some of you are looking at yourselves and saying, man, there's nothing good that's coming in my life right now. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to be thankful for. All I see is trouble around me. But God is wanting to give you new vision to help you see your position. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. And this is why it's so important. This is why we are being welcomed into this kingdom dynamic of thanksgiving. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his greatness and his kindness towards us in Christ. There's something God is looking for a people to demonstrate. There's a glory that far surpasses anything we have yet tasted or seen that God is longing to manifest in and through us. 
And what he is allowing us to do is let Thanksgiving bring these four things to us. You can put them up on the screen. Alignment. Where do we need to be realigned today? Where do we need to be repositioned? Access. Understanding that when we enter into Thanksgiving, we get to access the things that we are thankful for. Thank you, God. Armament. Some of us are in the battle right now. Wield thanksgiving. In adoration. This is where it's all going to end up. We're not going to have any, uh, you know, evangelism classes in heaven. Won't need them. We won't have to fight anymore. This is our destination. Our destination is to join with heaven and declare, Amen, blessing and honor and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to us today, that is speaking to us on these four areas of opportunity that we're called to as sons and daughters of the living God. Father, we thank you for all that you are. This is our act of celebration, of public celebration of divine goodness and grace. You've been so good to us as we sang this morning. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And Lord, we thank you that Your invitation to us today is to come into a greater level of awareness of this kingdom dynamic. Lord, where there is a need for new life today, Holy Spirit, would you come and pour oil and massage and bring back to life places where we have died in our thanker or in our heart. God, where trauma has inflicted wounds that have led to scars, that have led to lack of mobility, God, would you come and breathe and bring fresh movement to our hearts? Lord, where we're being blinded by things around us or things others have said, and our vision is skewed, God, we welcome you to come and to put salve on our eyes. Lord, open our eyes that we might see fully who you are and who we are. That thanksgiving might be the resulting eruption. And Lord, where we're not seeing ourselves, where our identity is not in Christ, but in other things. Where we're limited in seeing who we really are, the place that you've really brought us to, seated with you in heavenly places. Sons, daughters, kings, priests to the Lord. Father, would you bring us an awareness of our position in you and your position in us. That God, thanksgiving might be the result. Thanksgiving might be the testimony that overcomes the world. That thanksgiving might be the celebration 
that is on our lips. Lord, even as we enter into this holiday and all that it contains, the good, the challenging, Lord, may this be a different thanksgiving. May this be a thanksgiving that we understand more fully your heart and your love. In Jesus' name.